Well, welcome to another edition of Rolling Valley Stories. Today we have Karen Wirtz with us. Let me just tell you, to all of our listeners out there, it's just awesome that we have members of the war that are volunteering to come forth and tell our stories. Rolling Valley Stories podcast is really about sharing our experiences and sharing our challenges and our successes. And we just really appreciate all of you for coming forward and, and we'll be willing to share your experiences. So Karen, thank you for being with us today. It's a pleasure to get to know you and, and I'm excited to, get to learn more about you and your, and your life. Me too. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, let's get started. Tell me about where you, where you grew up, where are you from? So I was born and raised in Philadelphia. Long lines, I probably go back there and I'm the only escapee from that area. Escapee? Yes. Is well, I want to left, the Delaware Valley area. So. Okay. <laughs> and how long did you live uh, in Philadelphia area? Um, from birth until age um, 15. Then when I was 15, my mother and stepfather decided that um, we should move to the suburbs for me to go to um, a better high school that I would have had, that I would have gone to had I stayed in the city. Where did you move to then? Um, to Doylestown, Pennsylvania, which is um, about a half hour outside of the city in the suburb of Bucks County. So my parents divorced when I was three years old. So then at that point, it was my mother and my little sister and my father. Well, I never saw him again until I was 16. So oh, that wow. really, really sucked. Fortunately, when I was 12, I got a really, really wonderful stepfather who really turned into my real father over the years. He was, you know, this has been a wonderful, you know, loving male role model in my life. So growing up until the age of 12, there was no real male influence well, in your family or? No, 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 not at all. After my father left, we never saw anybody from his family again. So it was really, it was just the three of us. My godparents, some close co-workers of, of my mother who uh, checked on us a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of folks uh, in our war that uh, have step-parents. What was it like for you growing up with a, with a stepfather? It was really wonderful. I know so many people had bad experiences or they, they struggled to um, accept and adapt to a stepfather, but I really loved it. You know, up until I was three, unusually enough, my father was my, um, was my primary caregiver, not, not my mother. My mother was the one out working in the real world as a nurse. So it, it was very devastating for me to lose my father and suddenly have a new primary caregiver and have it all completely vanish. So I was very, I was thrilled when my stepfather came, came into my life and he was very, very, um, he didn't try to like, he wasn't pushy about becoming, you know, my dad. He was very, very relaxed and chill about it, but he really earned my trust over the years. I'm assuming that you had to take a lot of responsibilities. You said you had a sister. I did. I, the I, oldest had a younger sister. I was the oldest and yeah, I did. I had to watch her a lot. Um, my mother was a nurse and she worked nights a lot. So from the time I was 12 on, for three, four nights a week, I had to um, spend the night taking care, of my, taking care of my sister. And looking back on it now, that was way too much responsibility to put on someone, that, someone of that age. And I didn't do the best job of it. My sister had a stronger personality, personality than me, even though she was younger, and I was not good at maintaining my authority. No, it was, it was very hard, and it was, it was such a relief when um, my stepfather came into the picture. And uh, there was, so there was two adults around, and, you know, there was, so I had more adult time and more, more supervision. It was very good. It was a good thing. <laughs> so. How's your relationship with your sister now? How, you know, being that mm -hmm. kind of in that parental role a little bit right. growing up, how is your relationship with your sister now? I'm sorry to tell you it's not good. Not only did our, our father leave when, when, you know, I was three, my sister was, was still a baby. She was less, she was less than a year old, but he was gone. So she never really had that experience of having like 
a loving two-parent family. But I, I at least had that, even though I don't really remember it. I think I, I, I at least had that kind of sort of stable background, you know, yeah. to kind of give me that firm foundation. So we were left with my mother, and my mother had a, her own pretty bad childhood experiences. So while she loved us a lot, she did her best, but unfortunately her best was not always good enough. And there was a lot of dysfunction, there was a lot of anger, and there was a lot of inappropriate parenting. I don't want to get too much into that because this is not like um, an adverse childhood experience right. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, suffice to say, um, you know, my sister and I never really had good role models, you know, and how to handle conflict and how to develop good relationships. My sister ended up, she was kicked out of the family when she, when, um, she was 13, ended up being with a family friend. My sister fell into um, drug addiction, homelessness, you know, some severe mental illness issues, which I'm sure, which, you know, yeah. led, led to increasing drugs to, um, to self-medicate. I haven't seen her in almost 20 years at this point. And mainly because... Uh, She's not a safe person. She, she, she can be very dangerous. At this point, the best I can do is love her from a distance. Yeah. I hope that changes the future, but I, that's, that's where we tough. are. That's tough. I can see, mm-hmm. you know, I can see the emotion in, in your face. I can see, see you starting to uh, tear up a little bit. I can see the, the emotion that you have and the love that you have for your sister and, and the place that she's in and is sad for you. And it, it's sad for us. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you. When your stepfather... <laughs> finally joined your family, mm-hmm. how did that change uh, with you and your sister? Did that help her? It didn't. I think right then it was too late. Like within a year of them marrying, that's when the conflict between her and my mother kept getting worse and worse and more and more. There was more and more violence yeah. happening. So no, it, it didn't help. But I, th- I think he tried his best, but I think by then it was kind of beyond his, there wasn't much he could do. So tell me about the relationship between you and your mother and your stepfather then, because you said that you had a very good experience. Yeah, no, him. one good thing was like, he noticed how the situation at home was, was hurting me, that I was always kind of, kind of kept myself locked up in my room because of what was happening outside my room. And he kind of pointed out to my mother that what was going on was, was really affecting me, that we need to consider that. Mm. So point, I have always, always had a, good, had a great relationship. Um, my mother and I, it was very, very hard my teen years, my, in my childhood. But I think for me, um, Leaving the house when I was out of high school, when I joined the Navy, and having you know, many years of, you know, of experience, of travel, of kind of becoming my own person away from all that, I probably some good therapy. You know, you know it's me. It really, maybe understand my mother and her own background and why she is, you know, why her, her own troubles. I love her. I, I love her very much. We have a good. We have a good relationship at this point. I don't. It's not very, very, very close, but I love her and I respect her and I want the best for her. That's awesome. I can tell you, you love your family very much. I can see that emotionally. I can see that in you. When you finished high school, you mentioned a minute ago that you you joined the Navy. Did you go to school first? Did you go to the Navy first? Tell me, tell me how that happened. No, I went uh, right. I went right from high school um, to the Navy. I was not getting good grades in high school. I had, um, I had undiagnosed (laughs) ADHD. Not all of us have. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I had. I think it was B's and C's. I had, I I had undiagnosed ADHD. Okay. <laughs> I was not ready for uh, for college yet, so my parents were not about to pay for me to go to college to fail, probably. <laughs> Which probably was probably what, what would have happened had I gone right away. So you joined the navy. So I joined the navy. I listed right out of high school. What did you do in the navy? So I was an operations specialist. So basically, I was 
I was a radar operator and I also did a little electronic navigation. So, and it was a really great job. I was on a ship out of San Diego and I did two deployments off that ship and then I ended up extending in the Navy for one extra year so I could go to Japan for two years. And I was stationed on, on shore duty there. And that was a phenomenal experience. I think everyone, I think everyone should have the opportunity to live overseas, you know, at least for one year. It's, it's such an um, opportunity to, to grow in yourself. If you were to think back at your time in the Navy, is there one story that kind of stands out to you? Being in the Navy, that was my first opportunity um, to hear about the LDS Church, actually. So because for anyone who, did, who didn't know, I wasn't raised. I was, I was not raised in the church. Um, I was raised Jewish. I, you know, I first heard about the church um, in the Navy in boot camp. My best friend at boot camp was LDS. And so every Friday night, she would go with me to um, Shabbat services you know, at the base Jewish chapel. And then every Sunday, I'll, I'll go with her you know, to LDS services and to Relief Society, and to, which I had no clue what it was back then, you know, and then to uh, Sunday school. You know. Now, was that to, to get away from boot camp, to go to church on Friday night <laughs> yeah. and then Saturday or Sunday? Totally. But, oh, totally. Yeah, but it, it, totally. And for her, too. Yeah, exactly. But we both had a good time. We both kind of we both really enjoyed the opportunity to like, you know, experience, those, experience each, each other's faith that way. It was really cool. So what did you learn from going to those meetings? What stood out to you about those meetings? It was very, very different culturally, um, the Judaism. Oh, yeah. I liked how people asked me a lot of questions about my faith that I was not used to. People asking me about from my childhood since I was growing up. So that was very new for me, which I actually liked. For me growing up, I was, I was always very dependent on God. You know, I told you my family background was, but it wasn't easy. So from an early age, I was very... Um, I was praying about all the time, you know, to get, to get me through it. So it was interesting for me to finally in boot camp to finally be asked about, you know, my personal relationship with God or what my my testimony, which, which was a new word for me. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was it was so interesting. Yeah, it was, it was it was a very interesting experience. I really enjoyed my introduction to the church. Yeah, but I remember at the end. Um, the missionaries asked to like for my home address, you know, <laughs> and I was like, oh no, 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 no! I was like, no, I was like, my parents were not ready for that, so I did. So that, so that ended my involvement in the church for that for that time period. <laughs> so, how did you get reintroduced to the church then? Oh, many, many years later. So after after the Navy, I went to college back in Pennsylvania, Coastal University. I got my BA in geography, and I went on to graduate school, and I was at a Florida State University. And during my last year there, during right before winter break, well, first of all, for my years at FSU, like I would run into um, missionaries all the time on campus. And poor of them, they were always so nice to me. And I would, I would, I would, I would always chat amicably with them in return. And, um, <laughs> and it would, they would always start with, like, oh, so what's your relationship with Jesus Christ or something, something like that? And I would always say, well, well, I'm Jewish. And that would just shut the entire conversation down. So if I were to recommend one thing, missionaries mission don't necessarily start with that. Don't, don't assume that someone's a specific religion, you know? Yeah, it's a good lesson. <laughs> but right before winter break of my last um, semester at FSU, um, I ran into these great sister missionaries, Sister Levitt, Sister Moscow Samua, she, she's Tongan, and we just we started chatting. And, you know, they wanted to know what my religion was, and we, so that started a really cool conversation. And then um, they did something different. They invited me to come to institute with them the, the next night. They're like, oh, come with us. We're having institute. We're having institute dinner. We're going to have a, um, you know, like um, some classes afterwards. But you can just come to dinner if you want. I was like, 
I mean, I was a grad student. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Free food. Free. <laughs> so, so I said, yeah, I'll come. So I went. So I went to institute to institute building the next night, and FSU has a really big institute building right, right next to campus, which is really convenient. And um, <laughs> you know, I went to institute, and I got to meet all these really nice people there. You know, fellow FSU students, and then afterwards. They were having, you know, they were having the first day of a new class. I think it was um, a book. It was a book of Mormon class, and I said, "Okay, well, I'll stay. I'll be polite. I'll be nice. It'll, sure. it'll be fun." So I ended up staying for the class, and it's like, "Look, oh, this is interesting. This is a cool class. I'll, um, you know, it's free. You know, it's a way for me to learn about this new, this new weird religion." You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed up for the class. So I started taking this class every Tuesday with them. You know. You know, with Brother Livingston teaching, he was a great, phenomenal teacher. And I was really getting a lot out of the class. I, you know, just, you know, re- reading this, this, new, um, this new holy text. And really, um, just every Tuesday, just hearing um, all these strong testimonies, you know, from the instructor and from all, from, from all my classmates about, about their faith, about trials and how they ever, how they overcome them. And that really, that really spoke to me a lot. I wasn't used to being in an environment where that was so openly discussed. Mm. So that felt really, really welcoming to me. And I started learning a lot more about LDS theology. And one thing that, you know, you know, a lot of it, I found it was very similar to my own theology. Okay. For instance, the belief that Jesus is God's son, but so are we all. So we had that in common. I loved how there was the belief, you know, that we're eternally progressing after life on this earth. That there's a pre-moral existence, and all of this was exactly the same as my own personal beliefs I developed over a period of time. So and I was like, "Oh wow, this is so weird." Like, for just there's so much in common that yeah. it was kind of pretty jarring for me as a Jew. So after several weeks of classes, I started. The sister missionaries started, you know, asking whether I want to take lessons with them. So kind of like I'm half unwilling, but but, <laughs> but, but half compelled to. So I had to go along with it. Like, okay, I was like. No, yeah, let's do let's do this. Why not? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still don't think it would actually go anywhere. <laughs> then we started doing the lessons, and each lesson became harder and harder because I, I felt I felt such truth in those lessons, and that was so painful for me. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was betraying Judaism in so many ways. My Judaism was still is very important to me. My faith in God all growing up, I was very actively involved in my synagogue and in my youth group. You know, in those. My faith and my Jewish community really was a rock for me, you know, a source of stability for me. So it was, so it was very hard, you know. I, I felt like I was betraying everybody, but I couldn't. But but but, but I couldn't stop going to the lessons. I couldn't stop going to class, institute. You know, your experience of overcoming that and not having that sense of or that feeling of betrayal or discard mm-hmm. for your family and the way you were raised. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you you don't have that discard. You've you've kept that think highly of the of the Jewish religion still, mm-hmm. and it's still part of still it's part still of there, the and the guilt's still there. There's still this cognitive dissonance there. Yeah, but um, it's I, I learned to embrace it and accept it. I think that's a big part of faith. So how did you overcome that that struggle with giving up something that you were raised with to the Church of Jesus Christ? How did you how did you overcome that? So, because I'm sure there's lots of people that struggle oh, with that. Oh yeah. Oh totally. Yeah. So I never overcame it, but I overcame it enough to, to want to keep moving forward. So one night, you know, I had my own like little road to the Damascus experience. 
I was invited to a baptism for another adult convert in, in a different ward. At the time, I was I was getting involved with our, with our local YSA ward, Gotasi Fifth Ward. It's a great ward. Um, we'll send them a link. Well, yeah, I want to hear this. But I was invited to, yeah, I was invited to this baptism. And you know how right after the baptism, while the baptizee is you know, getting all dried up? Changed. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they play a musical interlude. And so, so someone was playing the piano beautifully. And at the time, I, after seeing the baptism, after witnessing the baptism, I was feeling so um, overwhelmed. And feelings of, of gladness for the, you know, for, the, for the person, feelings of longing, feelings mm-hmm. of shame because of that. So I started praying. So I just, I just, I just put my put my head into my, you know, head into my hands, kind of on my chest, you know, like, like, like a little kid, and just started praying so, so hard. I was like, I'm just asking God, like, please, please, just tell me what, I don't, I'm so confused here. I don't know what to do. I mean, please help me. You know, and I felt these impressions coming, come on to me it's so strongly. So and I, I, I couldn't deny them. Just saying that, I wasn't hearing literal voices, but I felt this impression saying, saying to me that, that it's okay. I know it's so scary, but you're on the right path. You know, trust me. I'm with you. Keep going with this. You know, and I felt, I didn't just feel Heavenly Father. I felt Jesus with me as well, like kind of beside me. Hmm. It's kind of you know, like, like like supporting me. And you know, then I kind of like I, I woke up suddenly. I was back in the room, and I remember the people around me were looking at me like, "What just happened?" And I just, <laughs> I'm like, "Karen, why?" And I just shook my head. I couldn't speak to them. I, I just couldn't speak to anybody. You know. Like, and then several days later, I met the missionaries again and I explained what happened. And I said, well, I want to be baptized. <laughs> Just, I, I got my, you know. I got my answer. Yeah, I got, yeah, I got, yeah. So I was like, like, like let's do this. Let's, let's get baptized. So about a month later, I was baptized. <laughs> so, yeah. That is an amazing story. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it amazing is. Story. No, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's, it, no, it's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. How have you been able to, that feeling that you had when you were, were at that baptism, how have you continued to nurture that, that feeling throughout your life? It's, it's had its ups and downs, but, but there's, nothing, there's nothing a positive you know, path going forward. I think at first I really struggled. One of the things I really struggled with when joining the church was remembering to pray every day before morning in bed and like suddenly I was having to read scriptures every day. I, I felt like I had to. And like, I feel like suddenly I had so many more like, um, responsibilities in my, you know, in my spiritual life. And I really had to learn that that the important thing, you know, is to not judge yourself too harshly for when you come short. You know, like yeah. when you like when you forget your scripture readings, or when you um, you oversleep and you're, you're late for church. You know, <laughs> or um, you know, like I think it's hard to like not feel like you're always coming up short. But I think that God does not want us. But what I learned in the videos is that God does not want us to feel that way. You know, God wants us to um. Keep trying and keep keep reaching, keep growing. You know, and maybe work on one little thing at a time. Maybe work on okay, I'm gonna pray at this time every day. Maybe just work on okay, I'll, I'll read one verse every day. Just, just try little things and just keep growing in, in those little areas. And don't, you know, someone said to me this summer that your relationship with God is kind of like a highway. And there's so many off ramps. There's also just as many on ramps. You know, so sure. just keep whenever you're struggling or whenever you fall off, just look for the nearest on ramp. It's a journey. You keep going. It's a journey. Yeah, you just it's just it's not a sprint. It's it's a very long marathon. You have to take care of yourself, love yourself, love yourself. You know, as a as a child of God, and just 
keep progressing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As we as we go through life, it's 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 that we we keep drawing ourselves closer to our heavenly Father. It's not that we don't want to draw ourselves away uh, and we don't want to mm -hmm. pause, but we want to keep drawing ourselves to to our heavenly Father. Yes. Have you had any experiences that have drawn you closer to our heavenly Father? Multiple ones. For instance, you know, every day when every day when I go to work, I try to remember before I you know sit on my desk and get ready. You know, I say a prayer to God. I say, you know, please allow me to work to the best of my ability for my morality, for, you know, just to, you know, to be diligent. And just that act, you know, I think, you know, I feel closer to God that way. I feel like I'm making my work, my, my daily work, kind of holy in a way, you know, or I'm dedicating to Him. But I think the other way is I'm very careful how, to, how I pray to God. I try not to ask God for miracles or I try not to ask God for things. Like say, oh God, please save me from this horrible, from X. I try to think, God, please help me get through X. And I find that, I find just changing in that and changing my relationship with God, like expecting him to be like my fairy godmother, um, you know, just, but to be my rock, you know, like my lighthouse. What's been the most That's challenging been... thing for you as, as a member of the church? Not really spiritually, what's, what's more cultural stuff. So like in Christianity, there's different denominations within Judaism. You can go from ultra-Orthodox, which is very um, fundamentalist, to um, Reform Jewish, which is a, a very liberal branch of Judaism. It's kind of like the UCC or the, you know, the Unitarians. So very, very, very liberal politically and socially. Um, they had female clergy, they still do. <laughs> um, so suddenly I'm in a culture that's a bit, a bit not a patriarchy, you know, yeah. and much more um, conservative socially. So sometimes there's some pretty jarring uh, value gaps between myself, you know, and like culture and, you know, and even some doctrine. But I think what, what I've had to learn is, what I've had to accept is, first of all, I think, I think it's a big church. It's a kind of a big tent church and there's room for, and, there, and there's definitely room, for, there's room for everyone and just for, for multiple yeah. pains and thoughts, which, which is a wonderful thing. I don't think that any one denomination or religion should be like all one way or the other. I think it's very unhealthy. And the other thing is that our church believes in ongoing revelation. How, how cool is that? You know, it's not static. And while the church is authorized by God, it's, it's run by humans and we're, all, and we're all growing. We're all flawed and we're all growing. And if the church is not perfect, the church is growing. So I think it's important to be a part of that. That's well said like all of us, uh, you know, when we have questions or doubts or differences of opinion between us and church members, for me, it's always been about relying on that pure testimony, right? Going back to that moment where we gather that testimony. For you, I imagine that's going back to that experience that you had at, at that baptism where you yes. realize that Heavenly Father's talking to you and that this is, mm -hmm. this is the true church. How have you carried that moment forward in your life to help inspire you mm -hmm. in those times when you have doubt or, or differences of opinion. See that there's a reason I'm here. There's, there's, there's a reason I'm in this church. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is where, this is, this is where God wants me to be. This is where God believes I, that I can grow, you know, as, 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 you know, as one of his daughters. You know, I believe that a lot of God's work is not supernatural. God works through all of us. Like we're um, God's contractors, or maybe that's the best <laughs> word, but, um, you know, but God has you know, God has given us like three big things, I think, to guide us here on earth. He's given us our brains, 
and he's given us other humans, so we can't do it alone. And finally, he's given us um, revelation. He's given us a revelation, you know, in scripture. And we, we really need to have all these three things, <laughs> these God-given gifts, to survive and thrive. So you've been in the Rolling Valley Ward for how many years now? It's been, like, as long as I've been here, it's about five and a half years. About five and a so, half yeah, years. So, yeah, my first time being in a, so I was in a YSA Ward before this, and now I'm in a family ward, and that was a big difference. <laughs> That's a big difference. <laughs> so tell so, me what you think of the Rolling Valley Ward. I love it. It's so much fun. I love being a family ward, because I love, I just love being around all the kids. They're so great. It's fun to see them, like, grow and, you know, become adults over time. I love seeing um, different families. You know, and how they interact with each other and how they raise their kids. I find that fascinating, especially from my background. So it's, it's very good for me to see, you know, you know, I think we have a, a really, really great functional ward. I luckily, both my wards have been great functional wards. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've heard stories of other wards that struggle more. So I think that for a great ward, I know that I've had so many opportunities to be in really, really great, wonderful callings that have really allowed me to use my own experiences, you know, especially with my own background with my ADHD to help others and to advocate for others and to strengthen others. And was I'm just a, so grateful for that. Was there a particular like, calling that was difficult for you that you've had so far? The hardest one was, was my first one in the ward. I was that community days leader. And that was so hard for me. I had no clue how to really interact around kids. I was, you know, I was, I didn't know how, I didn't know how, to, how to like speak to them or how to, you know, I, I felt so awkward around them. But I took it slow, and I treated them as like friends who needed a lot of um, guidance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I really came to value that calling because I really learned how. To, um, one thing I was scared about when I when I started doing that calling is I was, I was afraid that um, that if I would get annoyed or angry with the girls, I would start reacting as, as my mother would react in, oh. in a very bad way. But that didn't happen. I remember whenever I got um, flustered or angry or annoyed, I would just be like, excuse me, I need to take a little walk to the bathroom, you know? <laughs> and I was like, wow, look, I'm, I'm different. I'm better. I've grown. I've, I've broken a cycle. I mean, obviously, maybe, maybe it'd be different if there's my own kids at home. But I, I think it really showed me that I can, um, that I enjoy interacting with kids and that, you know, they, I think they enjoy being around me. And I think you know, that was, that was such, such a cool lesson to learn. Wow, that's inspirational. One of the questions that I always like to ask it, uh, towards the end is if you wanted to send a message to you know, 100 years in the future and somebody was listening to this podcast, uh, what message would you want to send to them or would you want them, them to hear? I would say that, that your job here on earth is to grow and learn that no one can promise you that life will be a bruised garden. But whatever happens here on earth, whether it's wonderful or terrible, you have the skills, you know, as I said, you know, your, your brain, your community, and Revelation Scripture to get through this, you know, and to become more, become more like Him. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Karen, it has been absolutely awesome talking to you today. I have felt a spirit talking with you. You have such an incredible, amazing story. Uh, we love that you're a member of the Rolling Valley Ward. And you've just been inspirational to, to me and, and I'm sure to all of our listeners today. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story and being vulnerable. You're loved and valued as a member of our ward, and we really appreciate you sharing your, your experiences today. Thank you. I, I enjoyed this afternoon. It was fun. Thanks. Well, for our listeners out there, we appreciate you joining us uh, today uh, on Rolling Valley Stories, and we'll see you next time.